2: We're getting you ready for the game on the build up with news from around the league interviews highlights and more. Here's your host Ted Ramey.
1: Not bad. You know um, probably not as sharp as he was when he first came up but you know I do the thing I like about him and this may sound crazy but his bad isn't that bad Which a pro to me if you're going to be a pro you you got to manage your nights. Things aren't happening for you. And I think he's done a pretty good job of, you know, managing maybe when he is not feeling great and you're not going to have 82 great nights, but you got to find a way to at least when a game ends, the coaches get together and they want to talk about you. They don't notice you in a bad way. And sometimes sometimes that has to be a floor. And I think he's done a pretty good job of that. You know, obviously, you know, when he's on his game, he's moving, he's physical, he's got a presence to him because when he plays with instincts and at a pace, he's a good player. And I'm anxious to see, uh, see his performance tonight.
2: All right. Good afternoon, everybody. And a welcome as we get ready for the Sharks to take on the Canucks. We're going to talk to Brendan Batchelor in a moment. That was David Quint coming in, talking about Martin Cout and what he's seen from him. He was then asked earlier this morning about what he needs to do to continue to be part of the Sharks going forward.
1: Well, just consistency. And I feel like I say that a lot when we talk about these young players. And I think it really is the difference between staying here and being an NHLer and not, and you know, a lot of guys come up here and have a good game that, you know, anybody, I shouldn't say anybody can do that, but a lot of guys can do that. It's, can you do it over and over again? And like I touched on earlier, you know, when you're not feeling it you're not having a great night, how bad you're bad.
2: And I think that's something that we've seen with a player like Noah Gregor, who was, finding himself out of the lineup for a while, but then even before the deadline consistently found his way in because he needed to raise his floor. He needed to make his bad nights not something that was more in line with the expectations of a David Quinn. And I'm fine with that. Like I love guys that recognize issues in their game and are able to make it that much better or able to do that much more. And it's what we are going to be seeing them asking of the next generation of players, a William Eklunds, a Thomas Bordelow, a Shakir Mahmoudoulin, like whichever one of these players are going to be part of the quote unquote solution for the Sharks going forward. They all need to figure out how to make sure their bad nights of which everyone has in the NHL, but you need to make sure that your bad nights are not overall going to be an issue, at least not consistently. And speaking of a player that we enjoy because of their consistency, we do have good news to report on Radim Shimek. He is back in the lineup tonight.
1: Yeah, I am. And I'm, I'm excited for him personally because it's been a tough go for him. And, you know, one of the things he and I talked about <laughs> the last time he was hurt and came back in, I said, listen, we're not going to put you into you beg me to play you. And yesterday after practice, he came skating up to the big smile. and said, I'm begging you to play me. I'm begging you to play me. So... Uh, he's in a really good place mentally and feels good and I'm excited for him and I'm excited for us.
2: Now there was a little bit of news on William Eklund and not of the good variety. Apparently he got injured in last night's CUDA game. Here's David Quinn.
1: Yeah, I talked to Mike about it today. It's you know, as of right now, it's day to day. So we'll probably know more today more this afternoon.
2: So hopefully the news on that front is good. Now, for a little Vancouver talk, we now have joining us on the Sharks Audio Network, it is Brendan Batchelor, the voice of the Vancouver Canucks, who of course the Sharks are taking on in uh, Thursday's Tilt, full clarity. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, and I guess I'll just back it up, Brendan, in the fact that since the last time these two teams met, there uh, there have been some changes with Vancouver, to put it bluntly.
0: Yes. Uh, prior to the NHL trade deadline, the Canucks made a, a number of notable moves. Uh, you know, most notable happened over the All-Star break where they traded their captain, Bo Horvat, to the New York Islanders, uh, and they got back uh, a number of key pieces in that deal, a first-round pick, a prospect in Atu Ratu, <coughs> and um, and Anthony Beauvillier, who's playing Uh, in their lineup right now and then they turned around and traded that first round pick to to the Detroit Red Wings for Philip Hironik who's a a right shot defenseman that hasn't played for them yet due to injury but may be set to make his Canucks debut against the Sharks as he recovers and gets back into the lineup so uh, things have changed quite a lot in Vancouver they've got their goaltender Thatcher Demko back in the crease and he's been playing some very good hockey Mm -hmm. for them over the past couple of weeks so You know, the the team is almost unrecognizable in many ways from the the club that Sharks fans would have seen the last time out.
2: So how how much of this has changed in terms of the the head coaching shift as well?
0: Yes, of course. That's another. There's been so many changes. I neglected (laughs) to mention the fact that they fired Bruce Boudreaux and hired Rick Talkett. But I think a big part of the Canucks' success over the, the last little bit here has been some of the structural changes that Tockett has come in and made getting them to play more reliable in their own zone. You know, they they feel like a more consistent defensive team. They're not giving up the number of grade-A scoring opportunities and goals against that we saw from them earlier in the season. And then, of course, having Demko back in the crease behind them certainly helps in that regard. But, you know, this was a team that couldn't keep the puck out of their net to save their lives early in the season. And they've done a much better job of limiting other teams in terms of their scoring. And, you know, not just run-of-the-mill teams in this league either. They've had some good games against the likes of Toronto and Boston Mm -hmm. and the New York Rangers. So, you know, it's giving them a lot of confidence here late in the season in a year where they won't be going to the playoffs that they might be turning a corner that could mean they could have a strong start come October.
2: So devil's advocate, and again, this is all me being the the low-hanging fruit Sports Talk host, what's the difference this time around versus a year ago when maybe not the same things were being repeated, but the same upturn in performance had happened with the change in head coach?
0: Yeah, I mean, last year when Boudreaux came in, it was a team that was really down on itself that... There'd been a lot of focus on trying to improve it defensively under Travis Green, and that didn't really work. And it was just a general feeling around the organization that something needed to change. And when Boudreaux arrived, you know, I call it good vibes, is basically the way I would describe mm-hmm. what happened when Boudreaux came in. Is he, you know, he got the players believing in themselves again, he let them play with more freedom, and with the elite goaltending of Demko behind them, they produced a lot more offense and won a lot more games down the stretch and, you know, got themselves back into the periphery of the playoff conversation, even though they ultimately missed. What happened this season, though, is that Boudreaux continued that sort of style of his play, let them figure it out, and Demko started the year poorly and then was injured in December Mm -hmm. and was out for 10 weeks, essentially. And, you know, they... They were never a good defensive team. You know, management criticized the way they conducted training camp. It was clear from the start of the season that management and coaching staff were not on the same page in terms of what they were trying to accomplish and what they thought. And so it was another year where there were lots of distractions and there were lots of things happening off the ice. And on the ice the team couldn't figure it out. So, you know, you you have Boudreaux leave, Talkett comes in. It's clear he is management's head coach. They hired him specifically, whereas Boudreaux had been hired by ownership before Jim Rutherford was even brought in to be the president of hockey operations. And Rick Tockett had a history both with Jim Rutherford and with the general manager, Patrick Alvine because they were all in Pittsburgh together and won those back-to-back Stanley Cups in 2016-17. So, you know, it's clear to everybody that Tockett is their guy, that they have a lot of faith in him. And he's come into this organization and preached a level of accountability that I think it's fair to say wasn't there before where um, there are certain non-negotiables with him in terms of things this group needs to do to defend well, to play hard, to win battles, you know, kind of the fundamentals of the game. And getting back to those fundamentals has kind of unlocked the Canucks ability to have a bit more success here.
2: I often wonder how awkward of a situation it was for Tocket because Bruce Boudreaux, much like Tocket, is a very well liked guy. Like people like him. And there were a lot of Vancouver fans who did not like what was going on. Not that they were anti Tocket per se, but it was easy to see the fans of Bruce Boudreaux saying, I don't like this. how this is going down. And again, like that's really a, a, an interesting situation to walk into through no fault of Rick Tocket's own.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think when you look at the displeasure in the fan base, it had more to do with how Boudreaux was treated on his way out the door than it did with Rick Talkett or even with the job that Boudreaux did because I don't think anybody can debate that his team didn't play well enough this year, didn't mm. get the results that were expected. When Boudreaux came into the season, his you know big headline quote at training camp was that it would be a big disaster if they missed the playoffs. And guess what? a lot of this season was a big disaster in Vancouver and it's part of the reason why he's not here anymore. But the fact that there were reports out there that talk, it was coming in, that the writing was on the wall that essentially everybody knew that Boudreaux's last game was going to be his last game, even though nothing official had been announced. And in one of the most surreal experiences in my broadcasting career, we did a media scrum with Boudreaux after that game where he didn't know he'd been fired nobody in the media knew he'd been fired and yet he was speaking as if he knew it was his last game as the head coach of the canucks so there was a lot of criticism in vancouver about the way the organization handled boudreaux's exit and that did at first spill over into some criticism for talk as being sort of the the punching bag the guy that was coming in and we, we saw that in the – where he received some booze, and there were some brews there, there in, it is in his chance, Bruce uh, Harris, uh, going around Rogers uh, Arena. Being but, around, but, you know, you talking arena, to his credit, he's a know, former market player. Market. Of course, he's coached in the league before. Um, he understood what it was going to be like coming into a Canadian market, just put his head down and got to work, and now you're seeing the results of the team playing better on the ice from some of the things he's implemented that I think has, you know, won some of the fan base – back onto his side and now as you look forward with a dozen games left this season the big talking point in Vancouver and the conversation that we've been having pretty much incessantly over the last few weeks is about sustainability Mm -hmm. because this is a Canucks team that numerous times over the last few years has gone on runs late in the season when the games don't mean anything because they're not going to the playoffs and that's the conversation now is yeah they're playing better yeah, they're winning games. Yeah, they've got Demko back, but can they do this in October when they need to get off to a strong start so that they don't get behind the eight ball like they have the last three seasons in a row?
2: Has Tockett talked about that at all? Because I feel like one of his best assets is his ability to communicate. And he's also, whether it's been as an analyst or whether it's been in his previous um, you know head coaching positions, he has been very, very uh, transparent in terms of his thoughts on games, in terms of his thoughts on timelines. But I often wonder if when he comes into a situation like he does in Vancouver, if they say, hey, maybe dial that back a bit, just because he is so forthcoming at times.
0: Yeah, he's been very honest in his conversations with us. You know, a perfect example. um, He he benched Andre Kuzmenko in the third period of their loss to the Golden Knights on Tuesday night, and this is their, Leading goal scorer, Andre Kuzmenko, 34 goals this year. They're trailing in the game, and Kuzmenko didn't see much ice in the third period, and I asked him about it after practice on Wednesday, and he essentially said, well, he says he doesn't have a lot of energy right now. It's because he's not in good enough shape. This is going to be a big summer for him. we got to whip him into shape so he can be a consistent player for us next year. So, you know, there's, there's nothing malicious about the way Tom it is is in terms of his honesty. But he you know, he shows his cards, he doesn't keep them close to his 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 chest, and I think part of that has endeared him to the fan base a little bit because over the past few years, and especially with the, the Jim Benning Travis Green tenure uh of management and head coaching in this organization it was hard to get a straight answer about certain things out of the organization you know they kept their cards close they didn't want to reveal too much mm-hmm. and Talkit is pretty well an open book in terms of you know what what his plans are and what he wants to accomplish and you know we talk to him all the time he talks consistently about how important this summer is going to be for many of the young players in this organization, if this group wants to take a step next year and how important, you know, improving their conditioning, improving their level of play over the summer is going to be. So we'll see how he's able to do that going forward. But I think that's been something that has endeared him to the fan base is he's a pretty straight shooter, and he hasn't really changed that, you know, since stepping back behind the bench and out of the the media world.
2: It's interesting because when we talk about the hockey fans – You know, people always think about the media coverage that exists in Toronto and for good reason. But my friends in Vancouver, I've got a couple of friends in Vancouver and a couple of West Vancouver. They hit me up more consistently than my friends in Toronto do. And I mean, I think that's something that people, you know, again, like Vancouver, there's the East Coast bias. So we know here in San Jose, they don't get as much attention in the in the media. But Vancouver fans are. Uh, passionate, and that is an understatement. I mean, it is it is remarkable how much reaction there is to everything that is Canucks hockey. Yeah, you know, Canuck fans are incredibly,
0: passionately frustrated, frustrated. 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 Because, this because this is an organization that, you know, save for the one playoff run in the bubble in 2020, has not been a playoff team for most of the last decade. And, of course, people remember the elite Clubs that, you know, were some of the top teams we've seen in recent memory in the NHL in the regular season, especially around 2010, 2011, Mm -hmm. when they were winning President's Trophies and going to game seven of the Stanley Cup final. And, you know, this is a Canadian market that has been in the league for more than 50 seasons and has not yet seen a Stanley Cup. And that colors the entire narrative around this team in the media throughout the fan base on social media it's a a hockey market that is desperate for this team to win a stanley cup and when they perceive something that they don't think is the right thing for the organization to be doing whether it's the way it's being coached the way it's being managed the way assets are being dealt with you know even the trade of Bo horvat which was a blockbuster move sending their captain out to the Islanders and acquiring three major pieces in return was a polarizing trade. Mm -hmm. Lots of people think they, you know, thought they didn't get enough. And the trade for Heronics subsequently was incredibly polarizing because many people believe that they should have kept the first round pick that they acquired from the Islanders in a year where Connor Bedard might be available at the top of the draft instead of moving it on for a player that will help them in the short term. There's many people in Vancouver that would like to see this organization take a more long-term view of becoming a cup contender. But at the same time, in the present, they have a league level play- players like Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes who have really taken their game to another level this season and the organization seems intent ar- around or seems intent on building around these players in the short term to try and get this team back to being a playoff club at the very least.
2: Brendan always a pleasure my friend I look forward to uh, seeing you next time and have a great call we'll talk soon all right? Sounds good Ted thanks for it. Again, that is Brendan Batchelor joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network. More Sharks News. Jacob Peterson did get recalled and will be playing with the Sharks tonight. David Quinn spoke to that.
1: Well, he's a smart player, you know, he played a lot in the NHL last year, had 12 goals and, you know, he's a guy that can play with good players and, you know, he's done a good job in the in the American League for us here and again, it's a great opportunity for him, and excited for him and excited for us. Uh, it's an opportunity for a lot of guys in the situation we're in. Guys that get called up. I mean, it's you know, even for the guys that haven't been galled up is still here, it's an opportunity to, to to make a statement and raise your hand and say you want to be part of what we're going to be like moving forward here. So, you know, he's uh, he's in a similar situation. And this is something that
2: I've talked about a lot lately, is that the sharks are trying to figure out who wants to be part of the solution going forward. Who wants to be a part of what the sharks may not be tomorrow? Or the day after, the week after, the month after, maybe not even the year after, but who wants to be a part of this when everything's humming along again? And I think you do find that out by the way that these guys play in these relatively meaningless games. Now, I don't mean to be, you know, flippant or inflammatory to any of the players for that matter, because I know these games all have meaning. They're all extreme competitors, but I mean in the grand sense of the Sharks already being eliminated from the playoffs. Right now, you're playing for pride and you're playing for a contract, maybe you're playing for a job. But what I keep on going back to is that who's playing for the future, who's playing to be part of this team when they are competitive again, when they are in the playoff mix, when they're hopefully, hopefully building themselves back into a contender. And I think that, you know, we saw some really good efforts the other night against Edmonton in a really fun game. And I know that Vancouver is in a slightly different situation where, you know, the season did not go the way they wanted, but like bachelor alluded to, they want continuity. They're trying to establish a culture for the next year, so both these teams tonight are playing for the future. However, for the Canucks, they probably feel their future is a lot closer than where it is for the Sharks. But that's why we play the games, right? Let's see what the Sharks can bring. Let's see what the Canucks bring. I hope to be entertained, just as we were the other night against Edmonton. And let's see if the Sharks can, most importantly, put together that performance that leaves you with positivity, regardless of whether or not they do walk away with the win. All right, we're out of time. 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock go time right here on the Sharks Audio Network. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning on Morning Time. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app. Presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.